0: talking all things related to customer experience and market research. Now, customer experience can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, and often it is up to CX professionals like our guest on today's episode to help support businesses in measuring and improving their customer experience. So before we dive in, my name is Sharde Torgerson, and I'm the creative and digital strategist at Insightrix Research in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. And this is season three, and I'm your host for it, uh, of Stories and Market Research, the Insightrix podcast. So I'm really excited. This is the first time we're doing video podcasts. I'm really excited to have our guest on today's episode, Ken Peterson. Now, Ken Peterson has more than two decades of experience in marketing research, retail, technology, hospitality, and transportation, and now he's living his best island life in Hawaii, leading the CX division in question pro. Um, you know, leading the CX division in Hawaii, Ken, that sounds like a fantastic way to balance work and home life. Uh, please tell our listeners more about you, your background, and maybe your role at Question Pro.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, uh, I've I've been in, oh, it's, it's you said two decades, and I, I realized I'm approaching that quarter century mark actually now, and it's like, wow, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. Because, um, I was going to be in this for two years, uh, was my original goal. Um, I had a prior world, I worked for a retailer, I did operations, I did all the, the stuff that no one likes to hear that had no emotion attached to it. It was all, you know, look at the numbers and tell us what the sales forecast is, predict the inventory levels. Um, I had formulas, I had worksheets that fed into it. So um, I, I can't believe that it was almost a quarter century ago, a friend of mine said, hey, I, I got this little project that I really need your help on. It's an operational project within market research. And it turned into um, just a career that I've absolutely loved. Um, I, I really did. I started with um, building out a reporting mechanism. This is back in the late 90s when online reporting wasn't a big thing in market right. research and we put up an the online reporting portal and um, you know from there it, it turned into I just really enjoyed what I was doing. so got acquired by Ipsos a couple of years later and, I went from you know this two-year project to becoming the chief operating officer of Ipsos, managing all the technology oh, partnerships, cool. uh, which includes all the big names out there. I mean, the, in the space that you know we all know and all have their great you know great platforms out there, such as Medallia, such as Qualtrics, uh, InMoment, uh, Allegiance, which became Merit CX, which is now part of InMoment, and um, uh, another one that I worked with uh, was a small company called QuestionPro. And that's, you know, fast forward fourteen years, who'd have known I would have been leading the pres the, the CX division of Question Pro at the time, but uh I've really enjoyed it since I've joined. I,
0: I find that common in market research where folks will um, just find a passion project and then they almost never leave. I think that's a really cool way to to get into the field often because I swear nobody lands in market research on purpose and you end up getting a, a group of folks that you, you work with coming from all different uh, walks of life and maybe different backgrounds as well. And and it adds to the the whole nuance of it. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just say, my my kids growing up got to see me travel all these places all around the world. Not not one of them ever said, "Gee, when I grow up, I want to be a market <laughs>
0: researcher." It's true. It's true, and honestly, you hear it all the time. But it's so cool. Even uh, you know whom I work with, there's actually quite a few young researchers as well, and a lot of the stories are um, you know that they never really imagined going into it, but they can't really see them not being in it as well. And that the, now that they're actually a few years in, so really neat. It's kind of kind of cool to hear your side as well. Uh, you know, maybe dive in a little bit more about Question Pro CX and, and how uh, you know you got involved on the the software side.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sort of goes back, uh, as I mentioned, uh, in my role in Ipsos, I was managing all these vendors. And I had lots Mm -hmm. of great ideas on how we can improve what we can do to uh, make the software better. And, you know, I worked with a lot of these, you know, a lot of these platform companies already. And some of the ideas that you see, uh, I can't take full credit for them. But some of the ideas were coming out of the conversations we were having, and our client needs. And, you know, QuestionPro really uh, pulled me because I I think they probably, I mean, just out you know, a, out of the box survey tool is probably the best one I'd seen across the board uh, in terms of being able to be self-service as well as the, the how technical you could get with it, the logical you could get with it. So it was in-depth and user friendly. I mean, something to two things that usually don't go yeah. hand in hand. Um, so, you know, naturally, uh, I had been drawn to it and I'd worked with Vivek over the years, talked and consulted and we worked back and forth on things and just as friends. And um, I was actually going to retire. And he says, I really want to, you know, I really want you to come in and make the customer experience tool, you know, come to life. And um, so, you know, what appeals to me uh, in this, you know, in the question pro platform is we manage all of it. We have market research tools. We have employee experience tools. We even have communities platform, uh, which is unique. I mean, you can look at all those platforms that have, oh, well, we can do customer and employee surveys. Well, yeah, they're, they're just surveys, but we actually have workflows that are dedicated to these. Um, so when you go in there, it's actually a separate system um, within the same platform, but a separate system that says, hey, this is how we handle employee surveys. And this is how we handle customer experience surveys, because you can't, you can't lump them all in as the same type of survey and say, oh, well, we can expect the same results just by using the same survey. Uh-huh.
0: So I've had the opportunity to read some of your articles on Question Pro blog. I wanted to go into an article you wrote. OK, so by the way, you're a really good writer. Uh, absolutely great <laughs> info on customer experience. As someone who even writes to market research, I find a lot of the times it's actually really hard to come up with uh, good analogies or good stories, even in terms of you know how people are actually using Market research even further, customer experience programs to actually inform further. So you had a story on your blog called "The Tale of Two Garbage Cans," and I really annoy or annoyed <laughs> enjoyed this analysis on how service-based organizations can provide a good customer service. Uh, we often too work with government. Um, as a service-based organization. And I think it's a really good topic to actually speak on because so often uh, I think this is the type of area in CX that I think a lot of people wanted to learn more about but don't know how to get about it. So, you know, I, I'm kind of wondering why these types of touch points are so important to successful CX and maybe how service-based can, our, uh, organizations can recognize that a good CX can come from anywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, what people forget oftentimes, even in, in our own world of CX, is that everything is a touchpoint. I mean, every conversation, every transaction, um, you know, if you have a piece of mail that you get from, I mean, um, from from the tax division, and it's sitting there, every time you look at it, that's that's a touchpoint, you know, even if you haven't touched it, you looked at it and you thought about it. So um, you know, CX is really, um, if you think about it in that, that level, I mean, it's everywhere. And, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, government is the one accused of, I mean, we all have these stories of being at the DMV for hours. I could even cite some of my own stories. And the one with the, the, the tale of the two garbage cans is really about, you know, th- there was no obligation. It, it's sort of like the uh, returning the cart at the grocery store kind of story. It's like, there's there's no penalty for you not doing it, but it's still the right thing to do. And that and really, that was what that story was about. I mean, we have this rotating schedule that if you n- mix it up, you're you not getting your garbage picked up that week. And so you know, it was just really a situation where you know, it's a, a couple that's across the street, they're retired, and they put out the wrong one. And I was sitting there, talking on the phone, the guy, there was no one around to see. But he recognized that, hey, they just put out the wrong garbage can. So what did he do is he got out, he put the one back, brought the one out, dumped it and even put that one back uh, so they wouldn't have to come out and return it and, you know, realize that they even made a mistake or anything like that. I, I probably would have been panicked and said, "Gee, I didn't even put out any garbage can. But and it was just one of those moments when you look at it and you go. He just did the right thing. And that, that's really what customer experience should be about It's just doing the right thing. Not because the score goes up, not because I get fewer tickets on a closed loop feedback system. It's it's treating the customer the right way.
0: I love that. And, you know, I think so often we forget that front facing staff is a huge, huge part and uh, to the success of a customer experience program or uh, a customer experience at all. So, you know, even even in his position, you know, often he may assume he's just doing his job, but you know, at the end of the day, that's your front facing staff uh, really delivering the the extra mile for you. Um, And and that does translate through. So often, yeah, even as a business, we try to tell our clients, uh, you know, really pay attention to to your front or, or what your front staff have to say, because even, you know, they might have certain pain points that you can work into these touch points that make a better experience for everyone. So...
1: And even, even the employee that has no incentive to, and and he might've even been disincented to take that extra minute um, to do that. Um, He, he still did what was right. And that that's what we should pay attention to. It's really good for every brand, you know, whether we're talking government or a retail store or a technology software provider company, you know, doing what's right. Even when no one's looking.
0: No, I like that. Um, you know, what we talked about, the whole idea about customer touch points kind of changing uh, this aspect that it's no longer linear. You know, you don't have a customer just going to a store, buying or doing some product research on the spot, you know, maybe asking a salesperson buying it. Um, you have all these these uh, middle points now that even include, you know, digital touch points that included to your point, um, just a client or excuse me, uh, front facing staff touch points that often aren't even recognized. Um, You know, knowing that there seems to be with businesses a need to create um, a more centralized opportunity to democratize their data. You know, this is across systems, this is across technologies, and the whole idea is to really provide a much more consistent customer experience. Now, I'm curious because even as a marketer, this is something that truly interests me. This is something that as a business, we even look at, even though we're a market research firm, um, you know what are some applications that businesses can use to understand their CX ecosystem better. You know, try to gain that full spectrum view, and in a particularly useful way for businesses that might not be either data savvy or too, you know, into the market research industry.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, that's sort of, um, that's probably why I'm still employed, (laughs) first of all, (laughs) that challenge. Um, You know, you mentioned it. I mean, there's, there's, you know, the the touch points aren't linear anymore and they're everywhere. You want to know about it. Um, At the same time, I remember when I first got into the space, every time we'd field a survey, uh, it would go from hey we we're intending five questions to now it's up to 50 <laughs> like because we have the customer on the and and so you know there's there's a lot to think about when you think about the ecosystem and I always say it's great to be able to get feedback on every touch point but it's impossible especially when every touch point is gonna say well I need you know fifty questions not yeah. five and so it, it's really finding those uh, places where it matters um, having um, having an intercept uh on your website so that if they want to give feedback they can don't give them a pop up oh
0: yes
1: (laughs) you can give them an exit survey but if i'm in the middle of reading and something pops up um whether it's an advertisement for hey subscribe to our magazine or something that's that's the first indicator that i'm going to go to that x and close that that screen but having a feedback tab on the side where someone can you know um, you know, in a bank is easily just you know, hey, I was trying to find something about uh, boat loans, but you know, I don't see anything on your page. And you can take them through that and get that feedback. So not only can you direct them to the right place while you're in the moment, but also find out that hey, you know, we have a lot of people making inquiries about this, and we can adjust the experience accordingly. Because hey, for for whatever reason, a bunch of people in Hawaii want boat loans, mm-hmm. so we can let's make sure we highlight that on our page um and then it goes to the you know the other you know what i call the the facing touch points where you're actually talking to someone or you're interacting with someone um and that could be a chat online being able to get quick feedback like that and it's tough because you know when you're talking to someone over the phone you, you're a little hesitant to say well this person did a bad job uh, i worked with uh, you know call centers over the years and you know, listening to phone recordings, everyone said, "You know, oh, I don't want to say they did a bad job; they were helpful." <laughs> you know, like, but you need to be able to get that feedback, and so, you know, the applications, um, you know, we've we've not really evolved them much, but it really um, you you can really bring in a lot more data to those applications and enhance them, and say. You know, let's shorten the surveys. Let's make it quick feedback instead of, you know, 50 questions. It's one of those goals that we had with NPS Plus was like, you know, originally NPS was, hey, one question, one open end. But people weren't happy with that because you couldn't get all those driver's analysis and root Mm -hmm. cause. And um, so we added the root cause issue in there and um, our clients love it because now it's one question, one more click and an open end and you're getting a lot of, a lot more feedback than you ever got. We got the root cause and we got a churn risk variable associated with it. So you can do that across m- many more places, but there's other places that we've really got to open up the, uh, I say the data doors to each other. And you know, a lot of these companies work in silos. So, hey, the website isn't sharing data about who they're capturing um, leads on a, the website with the people that are doing sales and the people that are doing service And that really causes a problem. So being able to bring those, you know, bring that data together in a singular application, um, like we've tried to do with QuestionPro, you know, across employee, across customer, even across market research, and, you know, leveraging our tools like the insights desk to bring that all together in one place that's searchable. I mean, that's really a, a driving force on, you know, how you can become strategic instead of tactical in approaching things and look at the company overall, and remember that every experience, even an anonymous market research survey still puts something in the brain of a customer to think
0: Yeah, about. that's a good point. Uh, I couldn't agree more that a lot of these organizations tend to to work in silos, and that's why it's super important uh, to connect with folks like QuestionPro to really uh, take a lot of these uh, you know data channels and really plug them in together. I mean, even myself, I find often from a, a marketing perspective that you know the the data utilized in house, you know, we're always looking for different ways to apply it elsewhere, but even then, we recognize our own gaps. In, Within our, our you know business okay. and how do we do we handle that and we're we're uh, you know a, an insights provider ourselves so it, it's a really it's a really interesting nuance because we have to our own uh, customer journey uh, while at the same time we're helping others figure uh, theirs out so it's a cool concept uh, knowing that you know we kind of are, are in a era where a lot of folks will argue that data is the new oil I swear that's the new the new concept, but in all retrospect, I think it's because uh, people say that because it's so untapped. And I think we're at a point in time where, you know, you have businesses like Question Pro are really figuring out how to supply and support businesses who, you know, have all these great data or have all this great data on their table. They just do not know how to maybe put it together in a way where, you know, even their their marketer may understand or or their, their um, you know, uh, front facing staff who might need to know a little bit more um, just so that they can kind of do their job better. So. It's a really good point
1: and one of my colleagues one of my colleagues had one of the best comments about data a few years ago he said you know data is like manure if you just put a big pile of it together it just stinks <laughs> and attracts flies oh so, man he says but if you spread it around right distribute it the way it's supposed to be distributed it will actually grow a garden oh that's and it will yield you. And it it was like, it was, it was, he's, he's, it was very Scottish of him, my colleague, Steve Livingstone, I'll, I'll call him out on it. But he said it right in front of an audience of, you know, 250 people. And he says, Oh, I just made that up. And I'm like, it, it's stuck with me That's since then. So true.
0: It's, it's wow. Really... No, and you're speaking to a, a farming community here in Saskatchewan. So if that doesn't ring any truer here, then I don't know what would. But no, it's it's a really good point. It's so hard to manage a pile of data to some degree, and often it works against people. And I think uh, a lot of the times it's really hard to manage. Um, and it, it's good to start exploring ways to to really, uh, for lack of a better term, spread that out. So, <laughs> but no really. really, really funny, funny stuff there. But, um, you know, I want to kind of go back into maybe some of your writing as well. Um, Again, I just I I had a really great time on the question pro blog. Uh, You know, lots of lots of good information there. Um, I came across one article too where, you know, this is kind of what we were talking about a little bit, just the idea that, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a slight disconnect between, you know, what uh, CX researchers can do and then further the client expectations uh, as a result. So in your experience, do you find maybe there are causes uh, that create that type of disconnect? And, you know, what kind of advice would you give to either CX researchers or researchers alike? To, uh, what can they do to fill that gap maybe?
1: Yeah, and I think, um... You know, it, it sort of it goes back to that data discussion. I mean, a big chunk is what I, you know, it, it's what I mentioned before. You know, a CX program will not improve the customer experience. Yeah. It, it won't. It's a culture that will improve the customer experience. Um, you know, and, and it's just true in every element of market research. Running an ad study will not make the ad better. You have to make a change after the fact to make the ad better. Um, You know, running an employee experience study will not make the employee experience better. In fact, if you don't do anything, it will probably make (laughs) it worse. Um, So, And CX is very much like that. And um, I I used to say, you know, I used to use the analogy like you can put a thermometer out there, but that's not going to change the temperature. Um, So the other, you know, there's almost always um, that big sigh of relief when you launch a big program. You know, a CX program is a big program. It impacts a lot of different channels and departments, Um, but getting that launched is not the success. The success comes when you make the first change as a result and that there needs to be an ongoing evaluation of what you're measuring, what you're doing. Um, And that doesn't always mean, hey, I'm gonna add another question and I'm gonna add another question. It's, it's, It's really about actually seeing what you can eliminate uh, from the question side and what you can enhance by making the, even the survey experience, which is part of the customer experience better. Um, so, you know, it, it I, I, can't emphasize enough. It doesn't end when you launch that study. It, you know, it, it never ends. Um, I there's a site, uh, uh, it's called despair.com and they have these demotivational posters they're called. And one of my favorites is, you know, the March for quality, Um, Is never ending. So it's, it's not like a marathon. It's more like a death (laughs) march. So, you know, you're gonna, you know, if you want this to work, it's going to be a never ending, you know, let's keep going. Let's have the same enthusiasm at year seven. As we had at year one, when we
0: absolutely it becomes a bit of a tracker to some degree in that aspect. Um, you know, even ourselves, we've been working, you know, with the same client for even well over a decade on their uh, customer experience uh, research projects. And you know, it's more than just one single survey being sent out. There, there's lots of lots of different types of uh, methodologies we have. Even things like our corporate reputation index uh, that that runs every month and stuff. And and folks, yeah. you know, even in Saskatchewan it's a big deal for us because uh, a lot of our uh, larger brands tend to compete. So it's really easy to put a corporate reputation index together and start to to learn about our own marketplace to some degree. So um, yeah, it's really cool. And there's a lot of ways to kind of go about that as well. So it's interesting to to hear, you know, the sentiment that, you know, once you get the program started, it it doesn't stop, Mm -hmm. if anything, you know, that's, that's when the real work begins to some degree so exactly. yeah yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, jumping right back into that whole concept, uh, you you'll hear things like uh, use voice of customer, and that term is widely used in market research. I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, uh, discuss it every single day. It's part of uh, CX to some degree. You know, with 90% of companies already using some sort of CX uh, to compete with one another, how do businesses maybe avoid falling behind their competitors? And maybe, you know, how can they use VOC or voice of uh, the customer to you know, maybe propel that ahead.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we, we're all using some sort of technology in one way, shape, or form. Um, I, I'd be stunned if I heard of any Fortune 1000 company that isn't measuring the voice of the customer or CX in one way, shape, or form. Um, I think the way to, you know, I mean, so, so that puts them all on a level playing field, regardless. I mean, regardless of which provider you're using, oh, well, I have a better text analysis tool or anything like that. Um, you know, really, I think the, the human connection is what's going to differentiate. And I, I even wrote about that in one of my blog pieces, like, you know, we are at a place and, and in some ways good where self-checkout reigns now. I mean, it's, you know, it's, hey, I can get this done quicker. I can, I don't have to have anyone breathing on me. I can wear my mask, go in the store, get everything done. And through that self-checkout and not have to have someone else handling all my groceries and all that but there's still um you know when it comes to customer experience there has to be a human element to it especially when they need Mm -hmm. someone um nothing more frustrating at the self-checkout when something doesn't ring up and there's no one there to say hey can can i help you with that i see you're having a problem um there's nothing more frustrating when you call a call center and you end up with a 20 minute, you know, let's dial through the numbers to get to the right menu <laughs> kind of thing. Like there should be, you know, a human element that, you know, and and there's AI that's smart enough to figure this out that, hey, you know, it's not even AI. It's like, hey, this person's been on a menu for about a minute now. Let's m- maybe like get a human intervention in there um, so we can stop them from going through. And, um, you know, a, a lot of times what people fail to realize in that is. That adding that human element isn't adding costs, it's actually creating efficiency. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those things when companies stop looking at everything as, you know, coming from an operations person, I know, sounds strange, but when they stop looking at everything as a, you know, just a PL item and realize the con- contribution that your customers bring to the company, your employees bring to the company, and bringing it all together. Um, really is what's going to make companies succeed Uh, where you get, um, I call it almost a religious following. If you look at um, Apple products, for Mm -hmm. example, I mean, there will be people that will wait in line, not ever having seen the product just to get it. And I remember when the iPad first came out, I had a friend that was going to wait. You know, I think he waited 24 (laughs) hours in a line to be one of the first ones to get it. And they hadn't shown pictures or anything. He just knew it was coming out. And I said, well, why? He says, it's Apple. I know it's going to be good. And when you have that kind of following and that kind of you know faith in it, um, you've really succeeded from a customer experience standpoint.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I've even noticed through the pandemic um, in my experience that there are some of those types of touch points that... I think have been directly affected by the pandemic and probably most likely improved so we have a a rather massive chain store here um, much like it exists everywhere else but i found that since the start of the beginning of the pandemic uh, to the end they completely uh, changed their self-checkout uh, a method to actually being a lot more humanized um and it's a lot more efficient mm-hmm. to the point where i actually used to be very um you know i don't like to have to go through self-checkout i like to actually engage with people and have you know have a conversation and um that type of thing and then i recognized the efficiency in, in this new uh, way that they were doing it. uh, And I find myself actually using their checkout a lot more. So, I mean, it went from being such a painful experience because it was newer, um, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe recently implemented for them, but you could tell that and it might have been pandemic induced to some degree, but I was really thankful that, you know, I, to your point, I could still actually speak to somebody if I needed to. And it went from, you know, the the screen kind of telling you, oh, hey, do you need assistance to someone actually coming up and saying, hey, how may I help you? So big difference.
1: Yeah. And, and you see the difference even, you know, it used to be uh, if you had six self checkouts, it was one yep. person manning it. Now it's two, people, <laughs> you know, it's two people going around. And some of it is, hey, we're cleaning the screens after yeah. the touch screens after each use things like that. But, you know, having that option, um, you know, and even having the option to not be in self checkout and not be waiting in line for hours, you know, like, I don't want to jump into a, you know, sometimes you just grab stuff and you don't feel confident, like, hey, I have, you know, 50 items, I don't want to jump through a self checkout. But then you sort of cringe because you go, oh, I'm going to stand in line behind 20 <laughs> people until I can get... see that one cashier and so you know it's human element not just when you're using the technology but having the option for the human element first outside
0: I like that that totally makes sense and it helps then uh still give the choice to the consumer which allows them to be comfortable with how then they may purchase with you in the future because I like myself know that there is much more competition than said stores so if I'm not necessarily enjoying my experience anymore I I can find another place to shop so it's great that there is a response to that um and like I said you know maybe the pandemic kind of propelled a little bit in terms of even digital transformation. A lot of businesses are really figuring out how to, you know, go online and be a little bit more efficient that way. I think it's just, yeah, it's kind of been brought on that way. But you know, we were on to the topic; we might as well continue on it. Uh, you mentioned the the idea about you know the human side of research, so and how it's important to the technology used. The whole aspect about AI sentiment and not maybe uh, quite understanding some of the human elements like uh, empathy, right? In your experience, yeah. how does maybe empathy play a role in CX research on the the human side, but maybe also on the on the digital application side?
1: And I, you know, I think, you know, that that quick tidbit about my prior career is a perfect example because I was behind the scenes running spreadsheets and saying this is how many people should be staffed at the store at this time. It had nothing to do, you know, it was all You know, this is the sales forecast. This is the expected volume. This is expected customer count. And it was all taking those things and just making models and planning models based on numbers. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I I think the reason I grabbed on to customer experience research so, so fervently when I joined was that there was a human element that I was just completely unaware of. Mostly because I was in a back room in an office surrounded by four walls with no one to talk to all day and just working on models. <laughs> you know, you, you forget that there's humans associated with it. And so part of that is, you know, like, think of the, you know, someone has a rush order for a party. Hey, um, you know, I just got hooked in last minute to bring 30 desserts. And so that messes up your, that that, that messes up your inventory plan. Um, You know, the person who's working two jobs, you know, if you reduce their hours, you know, they need those hours. And so just saying, hey, well, I'm going to cut four hours off your shift because we don't need extra people. There's a human element to it. And that person, whether we like it or not, is going to look at it and go, well, maybe this job isn't the dependable thing that I need right now. Maybe that's not. And and so on both sides uh, of any experience research, you know, whether it's the market research, employee or customer research, You know, we've got to remember that you know there's a you know a human side to it. Um, So when we start measuring, and it's it's very tempting for us to even go all digital in our measurement, and it's like it's the worst thing to do. It's still important to get out there and understand feelings and emotions. And you know that's why there's companies out there that are saying, "Hey, we're going to capture video." Um, We're one of them because you want to capture video. You want to see the expression. If if I'm talking about Yeah, everything in my experience was fine, and I'm very straight faced about it. That's not the same capture as Hey, everything in my experience was fine. You know, and so, you know, if I type it, and I express it, you know, there's two different expressions. And so I I think that's the part when we moved sort of to digital research that we missed out on a lot. And um, same thing with digital commerce. Um, We're missing out on the fact that, you know, people, you know, People like to browse. I'm a, I, I'm, I'm as guilty uh, as anyone of walking into a hardware store. Hey, I'm a dad of three. <laughs> I walk into a hardware <laughs> store, I could get lost for hours and lose a lot of money in the process <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm in there, I'm looking at things, yeah. I'm touching them, I'm picking them up, I'm looking at them and turning them around. And, you know, even with the digital experience, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, many, many years ago when uh, we were consulting uh, with an electronics store where we said, you know, the thing that you miss out on the digital experience is that, you know, not only are they beating you to the punch in shipping, um, your, you know, your one advantage was that you could pick it up and you can look at Mm -hmm. the object. And, you know, if you're going to go all digital, you're going to miss that. And you're going to lose to, you know, an Mm amazon.com, for example,
0: yeah, that's so true. And so much more we're experiencing um, businesses maybe uh, going online, but then actually uh, recognizing how important it is to keep uh, brick and mortar um, to some degree. I Even yeah. uh, some close friends of mine, um, you know, vintage is, is a quite a big thing these days, obviously, especially on e-commerce. I find a lot mm-hmm. of uh, Generation Z seems to be really getting into thrift shopping and, um, you know, uh, circular, uh, recyclable uh you know <laughs> clothing so but uh nonetheless i think it's interesting because i had a friend who was running a complete online uh store Uh, for many years, and actually started to see the demand um, locally. um, And they moved their online shop to a brick and mortar. And five years ago, I don't even think they would have even ever considered it. So, you know, the demand definitely outweighed the supply locally. And instead of maybe, you know, doing all the extras that it takes to, (laughs) you know, ship out and, and, you know, hold your inventory and stuff, they decided, hey, this is is a good move for us. So I thought that was kind of neat to actually see a digital company Uh, go from being completely online to now actually serving our community so Yep. Yeah. So that was a really good point on uh, again the whole uh, human side of research. Even ourselves, like that—that that is what we try to end up, um, you know, really explaining to our clients a lot of the times when we're working with technology. Is we have you know a group of researchers behind us that you know we we like to use the technology. We get really excited as well. So we're always looking for even new ways to use it or find uh, you know, different methodologies that, uh, that type of technology can, can really, uh, support our clients. So we're finding, um, you know, right now being a technology centric market research firm that, you know, things are good for us. And, and we, we have a lot of opportunity to be exploring it, but, you know, even further, uh, you know, not to say against market research, but we, we also have tools like question pro where you don't actually have to work with a market research firm, uh, to be able to, Jump into CX, uh, you know, start to democratize your data. Maybe start, you know, looking into ways to, to build a CX program where, you know, in the future you might end up making some decisions based off of, you know, something that maybe your internal research team did. So even we often try to encourage our clients, like, you know, uh, research is still research. Research is good. You don't have to necessarily, uh, you know, call up a market research firm and go through a front uh, to back research project to yeah. just uh, start to collect some data. So, uh, you know, using technology, I think is a pretty important one, but still recognizing that working with folks like us will be able to, your point, um, you know, we know the Saskatchewan marketplace quite well. We tell this to our clients a lot. And often when we work with clients who have a direct interest in our uh, marketplace, we can really uh, take the research and and add in the actionable insights that go a lot past the data, both by our experience in, in knowing our marketplace, but being able to bring in those nuances as well uh, from the human side, I think is pretty important. So on on that, you know, we're kind of done here. So I figure, uh, you know, there's a great conversation. Um, If you had anything else you wanted to share maybe about Question Pro, um, you know, what you guys are up to, how the CX software, uh, you know, uh, maybe has some feature updates coming up, feel free to, you know, let us know what's going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, like, you know, uh, like I said before, I mean, CX uh, at Question Pro is a little different than your te- typical technology provider, because we actually believe in that service totally. element, that human element. Um, instead of, you know, like you said, I mean, it's it's great to have something where you can get in there and I can do a quick one-off survey by myself and not. But, you know, we also believe that, you know, for something this important, it takes, you know, it takes that full team to sort of support you. And we, we believe that at Question Pro. So we're not, you know, we're not handing you off and saying, you know, here's the, here's the keys to your car. Now figure out. Yeah. How to you windows. figure it out. To roll down. To set the mirrors. We're going to, you know, we're going to get it all set up. And, you know, what I like to say, you know, and, and all of this, you know, usually for a lower price than what some of the main technology providers yeah. are providing. So that's, that's a great thing. And so, you know, I, I heard one technology firm, come, uh, you know, their, their proclaim was, you know, Hey, we'll run your entire business from our CX platform. I'm not going to lie to you and say, we can do that. It won't make your morning <laughs> coffee like this. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, what, what we find is, you know, it's nicely packaged. It, it's robust. You're, you're not just looking at CX. It's that thing that people are looking for. Can I get all my research in one place? Well, yes, you can. Um, so, you know, some of the big things that we've been putting together, uh, most recently, Dan Fleetwood announced uh, Insights Desk, uh, which is all about being able to make that research searchable even if it's not question pro research, um, you know, being able to have a catalog of it. And then I think the other part, you know, specific to customer experiences, um, we're about, you know, we've been testing it with a few of our select clients, but we're about to roll out what's called outer loop, which is tied to our NPS plus. Mm. So not just taking um, those little tactical changes. Um, one off, hey someone complains, let's, you know, give them a coupon and make them happy. How do we fix the problem that keeps coming up over and over again? especially if it's related to a policy or procedure that we have in place. So um, that's been, you know, that's been something I've been working on all summer. And, you know, while most people were, you know, looking at their first vacations in a year, I was uh, really enjoying the fact that I was, uh, I spent my week of vacation uh, nestled in a camping retreat uh, away from all technology so I could open my laptop and work on my outer loop (laughs) tools for closed loop.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) You can do it from anywhere. CX can happen anywhere,
1: right? even in the middle of the words with no South.
0: That's again, you're speaking to the right audience. So we, we are probably 90% rural uh, residents in Saskatchewan. So it's definitely a pain point around here. But if I may, you know, land on one final note, uh, you, you kind of brought up this whole idea about technology really being a partnership to some degree. And I really like this whole aspect about even in Citrix. So we tend to, um, you know, when we work with clients, it's very, very often that we work with them once. In fact, uh, we have uh, a majority of our clients are returning customers for the simple fact that you know the once they do a project, it's usually because they want to build on it more. They want to build on those insights. Uh, you know, maybe they're doing a tracker every year to some degree. And and the technology that we use is really often just a it's a partnership. And even ourselves, we've been working with uh, certain technology providers that we don't look at as our white label solution by any means. In fact, we kind of consider them an extension of our research team because you know over the years they've uh you know they've even managed to change their platform to make sure that it's you know um what we need to some degree and a lot of the times we're just so impressed with uh you know how so- how some of these technologies are willing to go the extra mile that way so partnership is a big part of that i think when you're um, maybe a market research firm like us and you know, that's probably how we would work with folks like you. So thanks again for joining us today, Ken, I really appreciate it. Uh, We hope to have you on again, maybe in the new year here, once we roll out into season four, but uh, thanks again. And we look forward to talking again.
1: Likewise, Aloha.